Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, a senior editor at Light Reading. I'm Jim Brickmeyer. I am CEO of Velocix. Great. Well, uh, thanks for joining me today, Jim. Um, it's good to have an opportunity to reconnect with you. It's been been a while, <laughs> going back yes. to the early days of uh, cable VOD for us, right? So yeah, that's right. So good. Well, um, before we kind of dig in, um, you, you know, streaming covers uh, uh, quite a bit of ground, right? A lot of players doing a lot of different things. So uh, I thought maybe it would be good to have you start off with just a brief uh, overview of the company, maybe the product and service focus of the company and, and kind of help us zero in on where, you know, Velocix lives in, in the overall uh, streaming ecosystem. Sure. Yeah, I can talk about that. So uh, first of all, Velocix is a software company. So we mm-hmm. build software for companies that are interesting, interested in building out their, uh, their own streaming uh, infrastructure. So for folks that want to uh, deliver an IPTV service or they want to deliver an OTT service, um, they want to do dynamic advertising and um, uh, manage and operate those kinds of systems then typically they come to Velocix and we offer uh, products like content delivery network software, origin server software, um, things for recording, you know, cloud DVR, uh, dynamic ad insertion, and then the analytics and management kinds of frameworks that wrap around that. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've been in the industry for a long time under different, uh, different brands and different names. But uh, what know, was the most recent one? <laughs> uh, this was part of Nokia. Uh, oh, right. And, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. So we got uh, uh, carved out of Nokia and we're part of a, a company called uh, Constellation Software now. Um, but we operate as an independent business um, within a, uh, a much larger company. Actually, the second largest software company in Canada um, uh, is our parent owner, but we uh, we operate as a fully autonomous pure play video streaming uh, technology provider. Okay. Well, good. This way you're already outside the uh, operating separately already. We, we've seen a lot of uh, companies go the other way where they, you know, have a bunch of stuff combined and they're, they're spinning mm-hmm. stuff off now. So, uh, yeah. so you don't have to worry about that, uh, that sort of transaction. Okay. No, no, so. not, not at all. Yeah, not at all. It's actually one of the things for, uh, uh, for, Constellation Software is they buy companies and never sell them. And so, um, you know, we are in our permanent home, unlike uh, <clears throat> some of the other companies that are in the space that have been bought by PE firms and are mm-hmm. likely at some stage, you know, to be spun out or sold off to somebody where, uh, you know, we're in a very stable, healthy, uh, healthy business. Okay. Well, good. So you were up to the CEO role just recently, right? right. Um, I know you've been with the company for uh, a while, you know, I think chief product and marketing officer is where you were previously. But, um, you know, now that you're a uh, couple of weeks in, uh, hasn't been that long, but what, what are some of the top priorities for you as you, uh, you know, kind of move ahead in that new expanded role? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, key for us is, is in uh, continuing to grow the business. You know, we had, I, I think the streaming industry in general, had um, success during the the pandemic times where everybody went 
you know, went working from home and watching, uh, watching streaming video. And the tendency was during that time period of, um, you know, the existing accounts that we had were growing uh, their systems in order to support the additional capacity. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you have a good incumbent base, as we do, that translates to a, a healthy growing business. Um, now, for us, the question is, like, where do we go next as um, as we right. are looking for growth? And so there are a couple of places that we do that. One is, um, uh, obviously, we're expanding the range of products with the existing customers and trying to, uh, you know, where we have folks that either use our CDN or our origin or things like that to introduce new products um, for them where they can take advantage of uh, some new capabilities we have on the ad tech front, as well as uh, a, a new product that we announced at the IBC show and at uh, cable tech called CDN broker, um, which is a dynamic um, in-stream switching system for uh, private and public CDNs. So uh, what is, what's the use case for that? Yeah, so for that, what we see is a, a lot of operators that currently use private CDNs uh, have interest in um, leveraging some capabilities of public CDN to uh, do a variety of things. One is um, disaster recovery. Um, so if they do have a, an issue at a particular place, they want to back up uh, to support things like burst capacity if they uh, for live events in particular, if you're you know, you got the Olympics coming up or uh, World Cup soccer or some of those other kinds of things that tend to have burst traffic that there's uh, interest in being able to spin up additional capacity for short periods of time uh, in order to support those spikes. Um, and there's also, you know, the, the, the true OTT services where it's like, OK, I want to extend the reach of my service beyond the, the confines of my own network. How do I do that? Well, you know, you gotta you gotta figure out how to you know get get some of your content over uh, public CDN and uh, and how do you do that cost effectively and maintain a quality of service that you would be uh, expecting as a customer? You know, have, have dealing with a with a service provider, right? You, you do have a, an expectation of a quality of service. So part of that is to is designed to ensure that you can maintain a quality of service, even though you're running over a public CDN. Gotcha. All right. But yeah, so growth is the, the big focus. seems like that's the focus of it, right? About any company, right? That yeah, we talk to. And yeah, you know, I, I mean, streaming, you know, big market, lots of opportunities uh, with service providers. You got a lot of media players going mm -hmm. direct to consumer as well. You've got, but on, on your end, right, you've got some pretty good traction with uh, some major service operators like, you know, Vodafone, Liberty Global are a couple um, that you guys have referenced. But, uh, you know, as you kind of look at it, in addition to new products and yeah. capabilities for those uh, certain kind of service providers, um, where else do you see growth opportunities? Um, I mean, is uh, the DD DTC side um somewhere where you could fit in or, uh, you know, we've got a lot of service providers transitioning to, to streaming, sure. getting away from kind of those legacy systems and so forth. Yeah. So it, we see both. Um, I would say in the service provider space, we see during, again, during the pandemic, a lot of people buckled down with what they had, right. Um, they tended not to want to introduce, 
um, yeah. new new projects and yeah, they kind of mothballed it or put it on the back burner for a bit. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So they'd yeah. hold on to what they had and and yeah. just you know tighten down the bolts and make sure that it, it was running properly until we got out of that stage. And now we're starting to see um, a lot of operators wake up and say, okay. Now we need to we need to get prepared for the next stage of, of growth. And in fact, a lot of uh, a lot of the operators that where we had, you know for years we've been talking about the legacy um, systems. You know we're all going to move to IP. We're starting to have see some serious movement in that direction. Where it's like okay, now's the time. We gotta we gotta start actively promoting the new IP uh, platforms and transitioning subscribers over. And in doing that, there's a reevaluation of the, the underlying platforms to say, are, are these going to scale? Are they, are, do they deliver the quality that our customers are going to expect? Do we have the right pricing models and, and things like that to support growth? And so we're seeing a lot of opportunities, even though, you know, you hear, you hear about subscriber declines in aggregate, what we're seeing is an increase in the number of subscribers that are using the, the new IP services. So the area for us that we sell into tends to be a growth area. Um, We also, uh, you know, you talked about the direct to consumer space. Um, You know, we do see some opportunities in the direct to consumer space, in particular, the, the, um, uh, the guys that are looking to achieve some scale or to, to identify some differentiation that they can offer in the OTT space, because uh, you know, everybody's been using public CDNs, which tend to be, uh, you know, they're fully managed and they tend to be fairly expensive if you start to grow the amount of traffic uh, that's being delivered. And so uh, uh, Velocix offers a way that they can supplement some of those uh, private uh, or public CDNs with private CDN capacity uh, in places where it's appropriate. Right. So if you have enough traffic in a particular region, you know, you can you can implement some private uh, so- CDNs. Yeah. So how would you do that? Kind of just consolidate, target that area. Um, That's right. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) this is the goal for also for some of the CDN broker capabilities. So we we sell the CDN broker as an independent product that doesn't have to be tied to a Velocix um, CDN. It's designed so that you can use it with multiple public CDNs or different private CDNs or uh, even open caching um, you know, take advantage of open caching capabilities. And, uh, and so that's the goal is, you know, you can go to folks that, that want to run a direct to consumer service and they're looking for ways of, of delivering an improved quality of service, a lower cost, better, you know, better quality stream. And, uh, that's where CDN broker comes into play and we can pair it up with some of the other tech that we sell as well. Right. And I'm glad you kind of brought up the, the open caching, uh, approach right and uh in terms of like the importance um of that you know is it uh, have a lot to do with uh more of a move to uh live streaming as well you know because we, we are seeing you know a lot more of that going on the need to scale uh, you know for, for for live streaming uh yeah. i think it's kind of coming to a, a head a little bit with Amazon and the Thursday night package, uh, you know, getting a lot right, more right. attention. And, uh, you know, I think the user experience on that, I've seen kind of running the gamut, you know, like, like sometimes I, I've used it and it's like, Hey, it looks pretty good. And then other days, uh, it, uh, another Thursday, it, it didn't look so hot. So. 
Yeah. Yeah. So open casting is an interesting topic um, in that, you know, I think that the, the concept of the technology and CDN Federation has been out there for a while. Um, and there have been a variety of specs over time that uh, have been adopted and supported by the CDN industry, Velocix included. And uh, so like we support the tech um, as other, you know, other uh, CDN suppliers do, you know, uh, open caching as a topic is really more, the bigger challenges are more in the business model surrounding open caching and uh, who who makes money and how do they make money off of uh, delivering that traffic and who's saving money. Um, and, uh, and that's something that's still being uh, discussed in the industry, frankly, between the, the content providers and broadcasters and ISPs and, uh, and so on is sorting it out. You're right about live traffic. I think, you know, initially the concept for open caching, people were looking at the, uh, you know, the, the classic uh, OTT providers like Netflix and um, Disney and, and those guys, but increasingly. Yeah, the big guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, increasingly, like there are questions around the broadcast space, you know, broadcasters looking at, uh, hey, what's the evolution here um, as we evolve towards streaming? Uh, yeah, live traffic is where the, uh, you know, there's, there are a lot of bits that need to traverse networks in order to, uh, to reach the end consumer. And so I think that's where open caching, you know, maybe starts to hit its stride is if we start to see that kind of transition take place where all that broadcast traffic starts to, to migrate onto, uh, IP networks, um, so we'll have to see how it how it evolves as time goes on, but uh, you know something that we're clearly spending a lot of time on. Yeah, and when you're talking about kind of needing to iron out the business side yeah. of um, open caching, uh, you know, as that gets worked out, is it um, preventing that market from moving forward as quickly as it can, or kind of how would you kind of characterize the status of that activity? Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, like there's some momentum, but. Yeah. 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 No, I think that I think that operators, you know, uh, when we talk to ISPs, they're trying to sort it out, you know, and they're asking for help um, and understanding is this a good business or is this not a good business? Um, you know, how quickly is it going to scale? Who, what content providers are really interested in delivering content through uh, alternate paths rather than, you know, going to the, uh, the big uh, public CDNs? And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, the answer is different for different operators um, and in different places because, you know, what you find is that uh, public CDNs are pretty well established in some of the um, Western regions, you know, in, in the U.S. and then in, in Western Europe and so on. And they're able to yeah. offer very attractive pricing um, for delivery. So the, the question for uh, an ISP is, you know, are you able to, to justify the expense associated with putting hardware in place. And, you know, there, there's maintenance of that and, and care and feeding that takes place associated with those networks. You know, are you going to make enough money to justify that, um, that investment? Um, and so the way that we approach it, and it's a little bit different than some of the others that you see out in the market is that, you know, our viewpoint is that open caching is a, capability of a pre-existing CDN that you can take advantage of some of the latent capacity that 
existing CDNs have and try try it out, right? See, let's see whether we can generate business off of stuff that you're already you've already paid for, <laughs> you know, right. that you already have made investments in, um, and and then build the business that way as opposed to saying, well, we got to buy a whole new framework to build out an open caching network, um, which today is a, is a more difficult proposition because you know, frankly, on the demand side. Of, uh, of that. I mean, people don't really care. Uh, the content providers don't really care that much, whether it's open caching or whether it's a public CDN, they're just looking for, you know, cheap and good quality. Um, and uh, so, you know, I think that there needs to be some additional proof points here that, you know, it's actually, uh, there's extra value there, right? I mean, you're going to get better quality uh, streams out of an open caching network than you're going to get out of a out of a public CDN and we could provide a lot more information and visibility into what's happening, which uh, I think is the, is, is part of the meat of open caching is, um, you know, people want to see, they, they don't want to just hand off their stuff and have it delivered. They want to, they want to see and feel that stuff is, is actually being delivered and they want to understand what the consumer experience is. Um, okay. And that, that's what it can offer. Great. And then one, one of the area I wanted to, to touch on, cause I was reading, uh, there was a blog post I think you guys put out there on the yeah. cloud DVR, right? And, you know, that's part of your repertoire. So, yeah. um, but you, uh, one of the messages there was that it shouldn't be just thought about as something like putting the local set-top based DVR into the cloud and, and yeah. calling it good, right? Um, so outside of like selling, like we, we do see, um, you know, cloud DVR services kind of being, either baked into a service or a premium yeah. add-on or something like that. But uh, I mean, how else can service providers monetize a product like that? Um, that has kind of become table stakes for traditional PTV guys, as well as virtual MVPDs. I mean, at one point, I think we used to hear about uh, this notion of like ad replacement, you know, I don't know if that's yeah. a thing or not, but you know, yeah, how, yeah. how do you guys view that as kind of how that piece of the market is evolving? Yeah. Yeah, so we encourage people to think about, I mean, cloud DVR, like, because it has the word DVR in it, people yeah. are automatically linked back to the set-top model of, uh, of DVR. But, but in reality, the way I view it, you know, we've talked about personalized TV for years. Um, but that's, uh, that's the way I think you should view um, uh, cloud DVR. Is the, the idea here is to create a portal for uh, individuals to get access to whatever content they want to get access to whenever they want to get access to it, and however. Um, and so the idea here is that you know as we as we uh, you know you're getting more visibility on mobile devices, and uh, uh, you know there are so many other devices. I mean, I won't be surprised as watches get to the point that you're going to be able to watch video and things like that on, on watches and so on, but. You know, you, the really small screen. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so the really small screen. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. you know, it sounds inconvenient, but you know, hey, if you're at an airport and you want to catch the game, you might do it. Yeah. Um, yeah so, uh, but you can picture these kinds of um, uh, use cases where you know, it's it, TV can just be a lot more personal, a lot more curated, and rather than going to an EPG to look through. Uh, you know, what's on TV at the moment, you know, you, you, you basically end up in your personalized portal. And I think that we've seen some of that from services like YouTube TV, right? I mean, when you look at YouTube TV, it's heavily weighed around the, uh, the DVR 
uh, functionality and the fact that, you know, they're going to record everything for you. And then they, and then they pump ads, you know, personalized ads into every, um, recorded program and, and try to promote a, um, you know, an ad based model. And I, I think that's ultimately the way to look at, uh, cloud DVR as a, as a revenue generator is that, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's an ad delivery engine, um, and it creates opportunities for, uh, for service providers. Like if I'm going to watch, I know my, um, my son in particular, like we, he will go and watch the same movie or the same show over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. and, but the ads are the same every single time. And, uh, you know, these are missed opportunities um, where if, uh, you know, if there were an opportunity to interject different advertisements in um, into content that perhaps has aged, uh, you know, a lot of ads become stale. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I've got stuff on the, the cloud DVR that's probably been there for years. Yeah. 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 yeah so it's only, it's only valid or viable on certain types of content. Uh, some of the studies mm-hmm. show that, you know, if people record stuff. It's uh, it, if it doesn't get watched in the first few days, you know, oftentimes it doesn't get get watched. But, shit. but yeah, but some uh, but some types of content do right, and they they get watched um, repeatedly, and there are some opportunities there. So yeah, we encourage folks to uh, right. Well, you you mentioned of- yeah, you mentioned the YouTube TV example, right? That they're already um, kind of expanded into that. Uh, yeah sort of enhancement of the business model around the cloud DVR. Um, What, you know, with, with your discussions though, uh, you know, is how active is that? Is it kind of like, yeah, this is a a great idea to explore. Has it been pretty, uh, is there like forward momentum in that area? It's a mix. It's a mix. So with some, some operators are looking at it and saying, yeah, I mean, it's like, Cloud DVR is table stakes right now uh, in many places. You know, if you're going to launch a, a next generation service, you have to have some uh, recording component to it. Um, there are others that are starting to look also down the road and say, well, you know what? Uh, a lot of these OTT services are already, you know, they, they, they already have the content available. Why don't I just, you know, rather than recording it and consuming a bunch of storage space, why don't I just link to the OTT um, uh, providers copy of it. And, uh, you know, I'll just f- facilitate a linkage to content and uh, become a portal for it. Um, you know, and there are arguments on either side of that, um, you know, should operators become a portal for, uh, for OTT services um, or not. And we've heard mixed reviews on that. Like we've had some, uh, yeah. some uh, smaller operators that have decided that TV services are not for them and they're just going to aggregate OTT services from others. You know, some of the feedback we got, like when we went to the recent IBC show from uh, some folks was like, look, uh, when you do that, you fully lose any differentiation you might've had uh, on your high-speed data service. <laughs> You know, yeah. and that the, the video, uh, the video platforms themselves are designed, you know, it, it's not always, uh, you know, viewed as a, um, you know, a business they need to be in, in as an independent component. But when you start looking at the bundle, well, you know, the bundle still has a lot of power to it. Um, 
and driving people towards your high-speed data service. So even, you know, saying you're going to have a phone service, a mobile phone service, a TV service, and high-speed data all converged together. And of course, other things, security and things like that, they bundled together. You know, that's something that uh, still carries a lot of power and still keeps a lot of a lot of folks who, you know, maybe tried out some of the OTT services and then are looking at it like, oh, how many bills, how many bills do I have to pay here? <laughs> Right. No, it does kind of add up. Yeah. And I think we are seeing um, kind of that aggregation model yeah. uh, being pursued on the um, the pay TV side. And it probably uh, varies by the operator. I mean, some still view video yeah. as, uh, like you said, a very key component of the bundle. Some of them, uh, you know, just uh, don't want to are de-emphasizing right. you know, their own service and others, uh, yeah, are are perfectly happy just to kind of cede it all to, uh, the streaming options, you know, around on the market. Yeah. So interesting to see how that continues to evolve. Um, and then another kind of last year I want to talk a little bit, it was, uh, 4k, right. We've been following Mm -hmm. the, you know, that part of the market forever. And, uh, yeah. And there, there is a quite a bit of content available, in 4k and uh, platforms that support it uh, are out there. Um, but, you know, we've seen some indicators that maybe 4k is not, uh, you know, being used or adopted at uh, like a, a massive uh, scale. You know, I mean, I didn't know if Velocix has that kind of visibility into, you know, that piece of the, the streaming market, sure. but uh, you know, if, uh, yeah, are you, are you? What are you seeing there? You know, is it? Are you seeing 4K taken off? Is it kind of flattened out? Is it going down? Yeah, well, it's. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's no. I think, uh, yeah, I think we're seeing uh, increased interest actually in 4K, and I think that's. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that will continue. I mean, I, I, you can't buy a TV these days. It's not. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like the old HD set. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. kind of standard you know, now. Yeah. Yeah. In exactly. terms of the. Yeah, for right. the display, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm, I think that, uh, you know, initially it's with certain types of content that, um, you know, there's interest in having it in, in 4K. The challenge has always been, you know, what's the cost of doing it? It's a pretty substantial increase in the amount of uh, bandwidth um, required. So there, you know, folks looking at, at, at uh, you know, different kinds of um, mechanisms to, to reduce the... Uh, the amount of bandwidth used to deliver that that content. But I I do think it's coming. Um, It's just been a little bit slow going initially um, as folks were getting all of the integrations required to make sure that, you know, they have the right encoders and the the origin supported and the EDNs and the clients and so on. So there's always a a bit of a lag in some of these things and just getting that all aligned. Um, And I do expect that we'll see, uh, uh, in throughout 2023, we'll see a lot more deployments of 4K. Um, I don't think it's going to be like you know every every channel is uh, is 4K, but, uh, but right like we do have HD now, right? Yeah, it just feels yeah, like yeah. yeah, there's a lot of on demand, and then some some uh, kind of one off stuff with uh, sporting events and so forth. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So I think I think we will see an increase, and I, I do eventually project that you know it, it makes no sense for the uh, for the TVs to be 4K and for the streams not to be. 
Right. Uh, yeah. So it's coming. It's a matter of time. Um, you know, everybody's got to evolve uh, forward. It's a, it's one of the key drivers as well for the the industry that we serve is that we know that you know when you go 4K, 8K, and and uh, you know eventually have VR and gaming and all that other stuff uh, delivered over streaming. Yep. That it requires more capacity, which is why you uh, you know you got to make sure that you have. Yep. A, system in place that can support them. Right. All right, great. I think that's where we're going to leave it for today. So Jim, thanks again for being my guest on the podcast. It was a pleasure uh, having you and have an opportunity to dig around the, the streaming sector a bit. Excellent. Thanks, Jeff. Always good to talk to you. All right. Talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Okay. Thanks. You too. Yeah.